we're going to start off by Andrew introducing yourself for the people that don't know who you are. Um, just give me a quick idea of what you're up to, and then we'll go from there. So, all you, Andrew. Sure, for sure. Thank you, Kessner. Like, once again, it's been a while since we caught up. Uh, me and you, we go way back. Uh, first year freshman at UC Davis, 2013, seven years ago, on Agape, Agape dance team. So if you watched already, folks, episode one with Kevin Huang, we were also in that same dance team, uh, Christian dance team at UC Davis. Uh, and it was more than just dancing on stage. Our relationship was uh, uh, really deep and walking together in our faith journeys um, and really being present with each other uh, with major turning points in our lives. A really fun story I like to share with everyone or, or just like, I remember me and Kestin were talking about, like, I, I was getting to teaching and he was like, I'm trying to figure out what to do with my life. Yeah. And then I just kind of shared, like, hey, like, just give it a shot, see where it goes. And then literally the next month, he flew, flies off to, like, Oklahoma for this training sesh. And then he, from Teach for America, he's in Hawaii. You're in Hawaii right now. That is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you just finished your master's. And that's, that's awesome, man. So, like, like it's, it's really good that we're able to reconnect. Um, I know we've really, like, really worked hard to be where we are at right now. But I'm also on a very similar uh, program, just like Kessner with Teach for America, except it's through the Catholic school system. Uh, it's called Place Corps at uh, Los Angeles. It stands for Partners in Los Angeles Catholic Education. And practically, um, I go to a... Uh, get my master's in education at Loyola Marymount University. Nice. Two years. Uh, get to work full-time at an underserved Catholic uh, school. So I'm a high school chemistry and algebra one teacher. And I also live in community. So that's kind of like the third component that makes it very unique where I live in a convent with, um, right now it's four other teachers. Last year it was uh, eight other teachers oh. all together in one place. Okay. And uh yeah, so we, we really kind of build a holistic support system, knowing that, you know, whenever I come home, there, there's someone who understands where, like, I'm coming from and, and, just, and just being there for each other. And actually, uh, uh, the reason why I joined this program was I wasn't sure what to do with my life. After graduating from my last year of UC Davis, I thought I wanted to uh, enter seminary, become a Catholic priest, you know, uh, but... That last year, I fell in love with this girl, and part of being becoming a Catholic priest is that you have to take vows of celibacy, so that means no girl, and I was kind of like just back and forth, and I was just kind of lost. So, like, I, I just, when I, when I entered uh, and wanted to apply for the seminary, they actually told me, like, pause. Like, mm. They said, we've seen many priests who kind of self-destruct and lead to scandal you know, kind of the stuff we see on the news. And it's because they don't really know how to fulfill their needs, you know, and they didn't really discern whether, like, it was the right fit for them. So mm. before trying to identify Andrew was based on a Roman collar, uh, identify who's under the collar first. Identify who I am. And, uh, but then I was like, I was freaking out, man. Like, I didn't know what to do with my life. So, uh, I, I didn't really have anything set up after last year undergrad, didn't have any letters of rec, didn't have any job application. I just moved home and I was like, I don't know where to start. I literally feel like I was starting from high school all over again, living with my parents. Wow. And I, I just started substitute teaching and that's kind of what got me, like just started thinking about teaching in general, um, how 
it was definitely challenging because I'm in a room with a bunch of just crazy young ones and uh, uh, learning how to speak and, and to articulate um, and to organize and all that stuff. It's like, you know, I could, I, I could really learn in this. And then found out this program. I thought it was a really good middle ground of being able to discern, uh, am I called to the, the religious life? Because, you know, they also live in community uh, with other, you know, priests. They, at least in, in the certain form I wanted to live by the religious life. But, and, and they do their own ministry, which, so my teaching would be my ministry. But I also would be able to kind of uh, have that space to, to still discover who I am um, and, and kind of have an education, still be able to survive after graduation. And uh, very fortunate that the university I'm at is a Jesuit university. So I was able to have a Jesuit spiritual director who was able to kind of just walk me through this. I call this this, this training ground, this boot camp uh, of this time. But interestingly, uh, I came in with all these expectations of like, God, I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to show you I'm loyal. I'm going to show you that I can do this. But the biggest lesson I learned from this first year of teaching was actually the opposite of that. It was actually like when I hit my, I hit this wall and I, I, I was just like, I was trying my best. I was like getting no sleep. I was um, not taking care of myself. Um, and it was even affecting my relationships among like my community because I would kind of just be like so obsessed with wanting to wanting to be good so much mm. and, and really show people that I really care that that it was it was breaking me it was making me bitter it was making me snappy it was making me just not a person that I liked in myself even yeah and it it came to a point where like God just made me realize that there's nothing to prove that I allow myself to be frustrated, allow myself to feel the pain, allow myself to feel helpless because I was trying so hard to kind of force a smile on my face. You know, when my coworkers would ask, how are you doing? I'll say like, I'm blessed, you know, just because I wanted to like, turn everything into a positive. But that fake positivity actually became kind of toxic. It, it was just not allowing me to be authentic and even my immediate surroundings and my community they could tell that I really, I, I was putting a face a lot, but wasn't actually expressing how I was feeling. So this entire first year, man, was, was just learning how to embrace my inadequacies, my incapabilities, and, and, and still recognize that it's, it's not all about what I can do. It's about what we can do. You know, when I, when I feel weak, that's, that's, that's when I have to allow, I trust others that, you know, I can, I can trust that, that we can share this together and I, I can share it with God and not hold it all in, you know. So that's where I'm at right now. Dude, that's, that's good. I, I love how you talked about kind of when you started early on when it came to figuring out what you wanted to do and how you want to go um, through it. I like how you mentioned that you're in like a similar situation um, as me, where you wanted to go into teaching, you didn't know so much about teaching, and you want to like test the waters about teaching. What I really like about your experience specifically is you have kind of the best of two different worlds, where you have the religious faith walk in ministry um, with with um, with your program, but you also have that traditional teaching um, aspect with it. You kind of touched upon this um, earlier 
when you were talking about it, but when you were talking about the process, but what made you want to go into this ministry religious walk in the first place? Because I know that we were coming from a place of um, religious background, right, with the Catholic faith, but what made you want to jump into this kind of out of college, basically? Mm -hmm. So literally, man, it, it was just like, I had to do something with my life because, uh, I mean, just living an easy life where I was substitute teaching and kind of just coming home and not really, I, I didn't feel like I was going anywhere mm. and I wasn't really changing. And I was kind of starting to feel like, I'm starting to feel like a man child, kind of <laughs> just feeding off my parents. And, and then I, I, I had, I remember watching this dude, this guy was a Navy CEO. He is crazy. His name's David Goggins. And he, he does these ultra marathons and literally surpasses his physical abilities. But he says like, you only can grow with friction. And I, 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 I saw teaching, man. And like when I did that long-term sub gig, um, I taught math. I, I was a psychology major doing science, like as a, as an emphasis. And like, I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but um, I, I, I noticed that in those really two months of chunks of just like, like staying up all night and trying to like know how to like manage a classroom with these hundred and ten kids. Um, I, I really found something in myself that was stronger than I thought I could be. You know, when I thought I couldn't do it, but I I was able to still kind of push through. And then at the end of the day, the students would just come in and just hang out. And that would literally mean the most to me where I was like, you know, I'm not sure if you got anything. I'm not sure if you really cared, but the fact that at least my space that I provide for you could, could be something where, where you feel like you'll be yourself. Yeah. Um, like that, that was really cool. And, and I knew that, you know, I, I still, I, I still have previous students cause I, I, I came from a small town. Like they, they would, I'll see them at the supermarkets or everywhere else. And it's like, Oh, hi, Mr. Tran. And I'm like, Oh, you actually like, like me, you know, yeah. but like they'll be happy to see me. Yeah. Um, cause they missed me, you know, cause I was just a sub. Uh, but it, it's just really cool, you know, that like this ministry is, it's a really selfless ministry, man. Like a lot of it goes unseen, uh, because like you're, you're just preparing so much for such different minds, not only for the students, but also for the parents. Um, and you know, when I first came to teaching, I thought, I imagined kind of, you know, that image in my head. Oh, I'm in front of the classroom. I'm preaching to the crowd and they're all listening. And it's all like, I'm doing such a good job. You know, I, I was so focused on me. You know, I was even when I was thinking about the priesthood, I was like, oh, I'm on the pulpit and I'm preaching the word of God. And I noticed now, man, like your respect that you get from, that you, that you earn is how well you represent the people. It's how well you represent the students. It's how well they love you, you know, how well you can love them. And I, I kind of, it, it took that breaking point when I realized like there was no one to prove. It's not about me. You know, it's about us. It's about we. Yes. Um, that's when I recognized like, ah, that's what this is all about. It's not about me. And that's something I think about a lot too, right? When you're so focused on your career or when you're so focused on your job and you want to do the best that you can, right? We always want to be the best version of ourselves in our occupation or in our experiences. And we focus a lot on ourselves that we forget 
about the community aspect. We forget about the family aspect of, you know, I'm not the only one doing this. You know, there's a bunch of other people that are in this with me. There's a bunch of other people that are sharing the same experiences and you forget to lean on those people a little bit more than you should because you're so focused on, well, how am I going to serve my students or how am I going to serve my coworkers or how am I going to serve my boss? And it always becomes about me, me, me. And you forget about the bigger picture too. So I really liked how you had that shift um, going from substitute teaching, you know, kind of like you said, working in circles and not really getting much out of it. But then once you start to dive more into learning more about what it meant to be a teacher um, and having those experiences from your students, of being able to recognize you and stuff and thinking about the bigger impact that you were making when you were just genuinely yourself, right? Yeah, so really, yeah. I really like how you you start off with that with that experience. Yeah. First yeah, and, and one thing I also think is cool to share is it's funny how when you think so much about others um, and you think of how, how much like, oh, how can I, how can I be an impact to you? I wanted, I imagine it kind of like me being this person where, you know, preaching to the child. Right. Um, if you think so much about others all the time, you, and you don't really, you don't really ask yourself, like, who am I? Like that mm -hmm. internal voice that only you can speak and where you are alone with God. And like, that, I call it that, that hidden inner sacred space, that tabernacle where it's only me and God. Yeah. And, if I allow others to kind of try to fill in that void, I actually end up becoming more selfish because I start expecting others to fill in that, that only thing that I can do myself, you know? So I recognize weirdly, it's, it's this weird paradox where when I discover like, oh, it's like, like all, all I've been searching for was not necessarily, I didn't want circumstance. I, I was trying to, I wanted circumstances to be right. But I, all, all, what I was really searching for was that voice to say, like, I am, I'm here. I am, I am who I am right now. I, I have, I don't know what I have to offer, but right now, like, I'm, I might be offering, like, oh, like, I'm really struggling or, oh, hey, this is great, you know, but I, it's really me. And that it comes from that inner place first. And then, it naturally overflows. And then you see the other because you recognize in them, they have the inner sacred space as well. That I can't, like, I'm not, like, it's that surrender, you know, I'm not sure how I can reach you, but I trust that, that we, like, we call it God. Like, I trust that God is in you. Or I trust that you have that conscious, you have that inner voice in you that can speak for yourself. And I, I want to speak from that place so we can resonate on the same level. Mm. Um, and it's, it's so interesting. I, I just, I just thought of that, yeah. No, that's a really intimate space to be in because um, you reminded me that it's a balance, right? You have to really know yourself um, and really know your own desires and your own struggles and your own weaknesses before that you can pour into other people's strengths or weaknesses, right? So you can't, like they say, cannot pour from a, a cup that's only half full or, you know, there's nothing inside, right? You need to keep pouring into yourself. You need to know yourself before you're in a space where you can pour into others. So that's a, that's a good theme that I liked. <laughs> so we're all over the place and I love it. How did you navigate your life with Jesus at the center of it? So I know you talked about it in parts um, of just, you know, going to, going to God, going to Jesus when you need him the most, but 
going through the steps of teaching or just even this program because I really um, I like the 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 uniqueness of this program how did you navigate kind of your life personally but also keeping Jesus at the center of it yeah so before the program when I was doing the two years kind of wandering about with subject teaching and I remember going to confession with this priest and it was literally just a one-time thing but he shared I, I told him like I was discerning a lot um, and, and he shared, like, you know, when I was a young kid, just like you, I was 23. Uh, well, at the time I was 23. He was also 23 in the story. Mm -hmm. uh, he lived kind of like this regular life. He had a girlfriend. They went to bait. Like, like there's like, you know, I, I felt called to the priest, but like, Lord, I wanted to experience the life. I want to just be wrecked and try everything. So him and his girlfriend, they kind of like went off, went to Vegas, um, partied, gambled, sex, all that stuff. Um, and he tried to make the most of his life, but then he kind of just always found himself coming back to the tabernacle in church, um, which is kind of like you know, the place where Jesus is at in the Catholic churches. And just just recognizing like that there was still that that yearning for that that kind of like you know where where can where can I fill that space you know in me that that's like seems to be gaping. It's a void. Yeah. Um, and, he, and he, he told me, you know, Andrew, as long as you invite Jesus in whatever you do, even if you might be doing crazy things or things that seem bad, um, or, but you always invite Jesus with you wherever you go, you will always learn something valuable mm. from it that will always stay with you. And that's kind of what stick with me um, through all this was... You know, I, for me, I'm more a little, a little more hesitant than <laughs> like the priest who I was talking with. But just like everything I do, I really invite, I really invite Christ in what I do. It was like, Lord, I'm really going through this right now. Like, Lord, I really hate this right now. Uh, Lord, this is driving me nuts. I can't stand being exposed wherever I go because when I'm teaching, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and these kids, like, they kind of just rebel against me. And like, oh, you, Mr. Tran, you're not even a real teacher. You can tell that, you know, this is your first time. And, and it's also coming home, but also seeing my community members when they're really tired and stressed and we feel very vulnerable because we're just, you know, it's just a hard day, you know. And, and just constantly feeling that I was exposed where I just, all my life, I, I always worked hard to perform, um, to do good, to perfect well. I did piano since I was six, all the way up to high school. Practice, 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 recital, applause, yay. Yeah. I did band from middle school to high school. Practice, 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 applause, yay. You're, you're Andrew, we like you. Mm. Um, I did gymnastics from, since like uh, eight years old. Um, practice, practice, practice. So, uh, performed, you get a score, 10.0, applause, you know? Like I, I thought that I, I had to prove always who I am in order for people to love me. And even school, you know, I was always getting the grades as well. And I, I've recognized with humans, it's, it's, it's you know, it, it's, it's not like that. And that, you know, kind of this entire process is not something that could be measured outside of me. You know, I have to find it in myself mm. with Christ. Like, you know, Christ, I trust that you can still love me, even though I can't love myself right now. And... I don't deserve this. I really don't. And I have to really be honest with him because I, I can't make it up, you know, saying that God loves me. I don't care. Like, I know that 
I know it, there are parts of me that like I could be so much better. I'm not good. And, uh, but just trusting, trusting that, you know, this, this, that he can carry me through. Um, cause I've just seen throughout, you know, history, so many people who live great lives, they, they said that, you know, it was in their fear that they found courage. It wasn't despite of fear, you know, it was from fear that they were able to be courageous. And I've now been learning to accept more that this fear, this anxiety, this like kind of just this gnawing feeling is actually energy for me to move forward. And it's, I have to get into that place and be really honest, you know, with the Lord, because I, I recognize that a relationship with God is not just talking about what I want to hear. It, it's, Right. It's acknowledging that God, I have no idea who you are. I, you're so beyond who I am. I look around. I don't know anything about the world. I don't know anything about myself. How, how the hell can I say that I know who I am? I'm only 25 years old. Um, but like I, I recognize, in order to meet God, I have to acknowledge that I don't know Him. I I don't understand His ways, and that it will. That when I acknowledge that. And I take a step forward with trust. I realize that's what a relationship is, is, is that you recognize, you know, about yourself, about the world, about God. Um, I don't know, but I, I, I trust. And when I trust, I have to invite this, this possibility of fear that in order to be conscious, in order to be aware, in order to be real, yeah. I, I can't make up being this good person. I have to actually acknowledge, like, there are parts of me that are not good in myself and in you and everything, but I'm still willing to trust. I'm still willing to try. I'm still willing to take my step forward, even though it could hurt, you know, and I realized that's what, that's what love is with everyone. You know, you love someone so much where you really, you really offer all yourself to them and you know that it will hurt if you lose them or if they, 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 they lose you, you know, or let go of you. And you have to allow that, you have to allow fear to be part of the picture, yeah. you know, because fear and trust come hand in hand to allow courage. Definitely. <laughs> I hope that answered the question. I kind of, yeah, no. oh, yeah. um, there's like a space of vulnerability that's huge from what you're saying, right? When you're in a space where you're vulnerable, um, you could either go two ways you can stay vulnerable and be fearful of what comes next or you can be vulnerable and be hopeful and faithful for what comes next mm -hmm. and not saying that one is better the other because we always go through those spots of vulnerability right we're in the space where we don't know what to do and we don't know who to go to so how do we respond to that and sometimes we act out of fear and that's fine sometimes we act out of fear or out of hope and that's fine too but being in that space where you trust in a bigger faith, where you trust in being fearful, but knowing that there's something else down the line, right? So there's this, there's this nice space, this sacred place that you say that's, that's okay to be vulnerable. And in order to love other people, in order to love yourself, in order to move forward in whatever you're going through, you need to be vulnerable. Um, and you need accepting of your circumstances and you need you know, have grace over your situation because, you know, wherever you're at, like God will meet you there. And I think that's a beautiful 
um, point that you make is that in your times of vulnerability, in your times of fear, in your times of uncertainty, um, you let God work in those spaces, right? Because we cannot always we cannot always fill those spaces on our own. We may think we can, and we may think that through our own thoughts and through our own actions and through our own, you know, wisdom that we can fulfill those needs or fulfill those um, those uncertain times. But we only have so much of that, right? You know, we have to lean on other factors, lean on you know bigger things outside of us that have more control and you know, that fulfill us in a different way. So I like that. I like, yeah, for sure. And also like to add on is like, I, it's kind of see fear and humility. They're actually two sides of the same coin, you know, and, and the decision that allows you to remain fearful or actually respond with humility is based on how you, whether you allow your fear to be embraced by love mm. or do you allow your fear just to cover it up with, something else rather than love um you know and i recognize yeah that that in a relationship with god we always have to begin with that from that place of vulnerability if we really want to be authentic you know god or anyone else you know yeah nice so like i said you have a really unique experience um you've devoted a lot of time um into wanting to pursue priesthood um, wanting to pursue different um, religious avenues for your ministry and um, education. How have your sacrifices specifically, so your sacrifices um, in your specific journey, make it all worth it in following Christ? So how have your sacrifices been worth it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so actually, uh, very, very funny that I actually had, well, I had my grad school class yesterday online for summer school. And we, we were reading this book called Letters to a Young Education Reformer. It's by Frederick Hess. And it's talking about how can we change, you know, systems and schools and stuff and all that stuff. But I, I saw something much deeper. And it made me think a lot about, like, sacrifices and, and pain and change and what, it, what that all means. So there, there was a little uh, short story in there that I'd like to share with you. Nice. So... Um, in the book, he says, it's our mistakes that teach us wisdom. And from another book, in The Beggar King and the Secret of Happiness, Joel Ben-Izzi tells the tale of wise Nazru Nazruddin's advice to an eager student. So the story goes like this. The student asked, what is the secret to attaining happiness? Nazruddin thought for a time, then responded, the secret of happiness is good judgment. Ah, said the student, but... How do we attain good judgment? From experience, answered Nasruddin. Yes, said the student, but how do we attain experience? Bad judgment. Mm. So all my life, you know, the reason why I've been so attracted to kind of just the religious life is because I meet these really old people, you know, whether they're a priest or a lay person, but I can see that they're aged. I can see that they've been worn out, tired, but they have this glow in their eyes mm. and they speak from a place where there's life. And, and I, I kind of just like, like, how do you live a life of so many years, you know, not allowing cynicism, bitterness, or, or, or fatigue kind of rule your life? Like, how, what is that? What is that life in you that I see on your face? I could feel it by your presence. And, and I've always been admired of that. And that these people come from so much 
rich experiences, um, uh, uh, times of, uh, of triumph and times of trial. And uh, all my life, I, I desired this wisdom, this, this strength. And it, I first approached it with, you know, wanting to prove so much, like trying to gain it as if it's something I could take it away. You know? yeah. It's not like that. Um, but I, I noticed that in o- the path to wisdom um, and this holiness, this wholeness, is actually, I have to take a step forward, even if I'm going to make a mistake, even if it's going to cause someone suffering or pain, even if I'm going to mess up really badly. But I, I only learn if I really authentically try. And it will be, honestly, a lot of the stuff I've learned the most um, is with all the sacrifice and, and kind of like trying these out and things don't work was actually from bad judgment, you know? You know, when I, when I was with that girl and I, I didn't really know how to commit to her. And then actually right now, I, I actually don't feel called to the priesthood. The, the Lord is asking me, um, in your heart, you actually desire a partner. And that's where I'm at right now. And I was like, oh, I sacrificed so much. Like to do this, I, 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 I dedicated so much of my life to it, even in relationships. And, um, and but I gave it my all. I, I really gave it my all. And it's still with treasure to see that, like, no, not yet. You know, take another step forward. And I would feel so frustrated because I, I thought, like, I was building this image of who I wanted to be. But then now it's all shattered again. No. Um, but I noticed it's not about the image. It's not about this fantasy I have in my head. It's about this, this process, this movement, um, this feeling. You know, all my life I kind of live up here. But now... I'm learning how to accept and live from here mm. in my heart. Um, and kind of just, I, I now understand and look at, you know, when you ask, is sacrifice worth it? I, I, I notice now that the currency of worth, what makes something worthy, is how much pain and sacrifice you gave yourself to it. You know, because the fact you could feel pain from something you strongly identify with means you've identified with it. Mm, that's good you know so that when 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 it hurts you hurt yeah. you know so i noticed like that's your worth how much you give yourself with the pain shows how much it's worth it and even you know even the sacrifices it didn't really like i said it it led me to places where i didn't expect i i when i first thought was sacrifice like lord i'm going to show you like i'm going to sacrifice for you that I could be this person but now the lord was asking me Andrew, sacrifice this image in your head of who you think you are. And be honest, authentic, stupid, vulnerable um, with me. And, and um, I think the greatest sacrifice is that I'm learning how to be myself and love myself. Not on my own terms, because, but just some, someone greater than myself that I cannot explain. Yeah. somehow every morning says, Andrew, today's another chance. I've, to, yesterday's done. Let's start a new day together. You know, that's, a, that's, that's the gospel, man. That's the Christ message of saying that all your sins are forgiven. You know, the past, let's move on. Today's a new day. You're a new person today. And let's discover something new. So I, I kind of see all this sacrifice I thought I was trying to climb this ladder of ascending, but I notice now, like, the path to wisdom, the path to holiness, the path of holiness, 
is actually a descending direction. It's to go deeper. It's to allow to feel pain more. It's allow yourself to be kind of lost more. It's allow yourself to be kind of angry more. Um, but angry with God and, 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 and sharing it all with God and allowing God to be part of the journey. Embrace it all with love. So, um, just even thinking about it, you know, those who might be listening to this podcast, like, God, what, like, what does it mean to believe in God? Isn't that silly? And I thought about it a lot. Um, it makes sense that the, that the belief in God is absurd. It is. Like, life is stupid, man. Like, people die f- for the stupidest reasons, and we can't explain why. Um, but it's when we face the absurdity of life, and we take the leap of faith to still say, I trust that there's still meaning to life, or I trust that you can still love me, O oh Lord. Yeah. That I that this absurdity, there's still value, there's still meaning, there's still something hidden and beautiful in it. And I recognize, like, yeah, man, like believing in God forces you to look at absurdity and say, I still trust. Yeah. I resonate with that a lot because, you know, we all have our own sacrifices that we've given up ever since we were kids, right? You know, or even generations beyond us. Our our families go through tons of sacrifice and we, in our own trials and tribulations, go through our own sacrifices, whether it's, you know, yeah, basically anything, small or large. And in those times of sacrifice, um, it's really natural to see sacrifice as a something physical right something that you have to physically go through something that you have to physically give up but i really like how you said you know i had to sacrifice a way of thinking mm-hmm. you know that's that's another that's another deeper level um of sacrifice because it's nothing tangible um it's nothing that you can physically point out to someone saying this is what i've sacrificed or even you know maybe put into a story it's something that you have to feel and it's something that, that goes on in your head where you had this image of something, you had this image of yourself, you had this expectation of something. But something, someone, God was telling you, give that up. You know, mm-hmm. I have a different image for you. I have a different idea of what you should be, of what you could be. And in that image is where you're going to find peace, where you're going to find meaning. And it's not until you sacrifice an image of yourself that you can get this, you know, this fulfillment um, outside of that. So, you know, when I, when we talk about sacrifice, it does not always need to be, you know, a physical monetary or, you know, sacrifice that you have to give up. You know, sometimes it's just the way that you, you know, perceive yourself or a habit that you have throughout the day and, or, you know, a way of thinking or a mindset, you know, like you said, tweaking that, changing that, you know, having a little step of faith that something better is on the other side. So I really resonate with that. I feel that all the time, every day um, of just, you know, when I think about everything that's going on and all the struggles that we're going through, you know, we, we deal things out of love. We deal things out of mercy. We deal things out of justice of what, you know, should be right. Um, and that's how we move forward, you know, through love, mercy, and justice. So um, I love a lot of what you said, Andrew. Um, a lot of themes about, you know, knowing yourself, 
knowing who you are in your walk with God or even in your walk without God, um, being honest with yourself, being okay with the struggles and the vulnerabilities and going through that descent, like you said, um, in order for you to get better, in order for you um, is a is a powerful message. And just being okay with being honest with yourself, I think that's a huge part that you know I need to hear um, and other people need to hear too. It's being honest with yourself is going to bring a lot of things that you may not like about yourself. Maybe it's going to bring out a lot of ugly things, but um, in understanding those ugly things and understanding those things that you could work on, you're building humility. You're building a better version of yourself. And you can't do that unless you accept those things in your life. So I, I thank you for those words of wisdom. Um, a lot of people need to hear that. And it's been an honor um, going and hearing about your journey. You know, you have a very unique perspective um, and just experience when it comes to walking the faith um, in, in ministry, in the, in the religious Catholic walk, um, but also in teaching too, you know. So I understand you on the teaching part um, and I appreciate for everything that you said today. For sure, man. And it's, it's all of us, man. You, you have something wonderful to share and I can't wait. Uh, for all the other guests you're going to have on this show, catch up with Kester. Um, I'm just really sharing in this, this sacred space that we could be together. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. Um, I appreciate you. appreciate um, everything that you had to offer today. And I'm so glad that we got the chance to catch up. Sure, man. appreciate you too. Cool. Until the next time, Andrew. Later.